Welcome to the City Church Podcast. We hope that you will be abundantly blessed by this message. If you would like to find out more about the city, please log on to our website, www.thecity.sg. But hey, we sang a lot about the name of Jesus this morning. And you may ask, what's the big deal about this name, Jesus? Because Jesus basically means God saves. And that's a big deal. That's the name of Jesus. That's what it means. And that's why the name is important to us. Because it reminds us of this, maybe the number one truth we need to hang our hopes on. So when we say Jesus, God saves. That's the name. And so that's why we are so uh, keen to repeat this again and again. Not just as some kind of uh, mantra, but as a reminder of who God is and what kind of God He is. I, I need that, man. I mean, life can be very hard, huh? but God saves. Yeah. I want to thank Pastor Andre for this very warm uh, welcome. As an old guy, <laughs> I was calculating, maybe I'm double his age. But anyway, I was calculating. Uh, uh, when you allow an old geezer to have three hours coffee, that is a, a blessing to me too. I can only walk with people if they allow me to walk with them. So it is both ways, man. I mean, thank you for allowing me to have the three hours with you. Thanks, man. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe the defining moment of my adult life is when my first wife died of cancer. And uh, nothing in life actually prepared me for this because we are supposed to grow old with the wife of our youth, right? So really, my, 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 my world fell apart, and as a, a, a widower, I was totally lost. Uh, nothing prepared me for this. But every Monday, in that dark widow period, every Monday, I would be looking forward to one of my friends who would come and visit me. Because Monday normally is full-time workers' uh, off day. <laughs> this is PJ, and this is a good friend who was also a church worker, a number of years my senior. He's since passed away, actually. And every Monday, this is in PJ, KL, and he would come and he would drive in his uh, Ford Telstar. Anybody here know what's a Ford Telstar? You do? Uh, if you don't go and Google, this is a very old Ford model. <laughs> but every morning, Monday morning, he'll come, uh, go into his car, and he didn't like share Bible verse with me. We both full-time workers, we both know Bible. He didn't pray that you know, the spirit of grief will be cast out, nothing, nothing. Uh, what stage of grief are you? Stage three, stage four? No. Uh, he, he just took me to SS2 for Tim Sum. We didn't talk very much. He just go for Tim Sum, excellent Tim Sum, great Chinese tea. And then he drive me home again. Uh, so this is Tim Sum therapy. And uh, you know, that was a very, very hard time for me. But because my friend came to me, I remembered that Jesus was also with me. That Jesus, in the sense, came to me through my friend. And through the years, I've come to believe that this is the normal way in which Jesus comes to us is through our friendship with each other. Of course, God can minister to us directly. Sure, can one, no? through the Spirit, through the Word, and indeed, we must be open to that. But I've come to terms that the way God has chosen it, that we are meant to be uh, friends with each other, and it's that friendship that we also encounter the friendship of Christ. I know the two guys on the Emmaus Road, because they were walking with each other, friends, Christ walked with them. And that seems to be the norm. 
But in all these years of ministry, and I was calculating that's about 38 years. Or, uh, sorry. <laughs> and uh, I find that this is probably the weakest part of the church in this part of the world, especially in the larger cities. Now, maybe in the rural areas in Sabah, Sarawak, the relationships may be much closer, but KL, Penang, Singapore. Uh, we are very strong in some churches in Bible knowledge. You must know your word well. We are very strong in activism. You've got to be used by God to change the world. But not that strong in relationships within the body. Leh. And yet there are at least 24 one another commands in the Bible. Love one another, accept one another, you know, pray together. 24. Leh. And these are commands. Between this is normal Christian life. It's life that is lived in close friendships with each other. And as I look at the Churches around me, very strong in Bible knowledge and activism, but relationship, we, we talk about it. Lah. In fact, that makes it worse because we talk so much about it, but often we may not experience it. And that is my, my concern. And so I know God has been speaking to you long before today. I'm not going to share something that is uh, new. I think your pastor, your leaders have had this burden already, but give me the chance to you know, reinforce what I believe God is already speaking to the church. Let's pray. Perhaps the greatest miracle, God, is that you are our friend. That one, mind-blowing. We don't deserve anything from you, but yet you call us friends, Jesus. And Jesus, we want to learn from you. Friend, teach us. Teach us how we also can be friends. We want to learn from you. So as your people are quiet, giving you listening ears, open hearts, speak to us. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to turn to a passage in John 15 as my primary passage on this reflection on spiritual friendship. John 15 is a part of the Gospel of John that they call the farewell discourse. Because Jesus knows in a short while he's going to go to the cross already. So the time is very short. Now. This is the bye-bye discourse. So he's going to go soon. So when you know you're going to go soon, and that is something that is becoming more and more real to me too as the days go by. Uh, you've got to be very selective what you teach. Lah. You've got lots of time and talk this, talk that, but no, your time is short already. Huh? You've got to be very selective what you talk about. So this part of the Gospel of John, we take, pay special attention because this is Jesus speaking on things that are most importantly. Hey, remember, huh? remember, huh? I'm going to chow soon, but remember these things. Huh? So uh, maybe I'll start with verse 9 in John 15 onwards. And I'm here, I don't know what is up there, but I'm reading from the NIV. As the Father has loved me, so I have, have I loved you. This is very mind-blowing. Uh. God loves you. Uh. Now remain in my love. It means there are things we can do to continue to experience this love. Something that we can do. The older version, abide, uh, remain. It means that you can remain or not remain. Uh. I mean, God is always loving you, but whether you tap into that or not, uh, Remain in my love. And how? If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I've kept my father's commands and remain in his love. Jesus is friend, but he's still God. We've got to love him on his terms, not on our terms. And Jesus is saying, I'm asking you to do something which I model. I obey my father. You obey me, I obey my father. It's not something I'm asking you to do that I don't do myself. And I've told you this so that your joy, my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. So as I reflected on this recently, I found out the word complete is like eat until very full. Many of us know this experience, right? 
eat until very full. Oh, cannot already, cannot eat. Uh, so it's that God's joy wants to be so much in you that cannot take any more. So God is not giving you 80% joy, 95%, 100% joy. That's the kind of joy that God wants to give you. But we got to do our part and obey His commands. Lah. So you won't know until you obey the commands. Then you're like, wow, joyful. Can I not really want? So this is joy that my joy may be complete. And so, okay, to experience God's love, we must obey His command. So which command? Leh? There's so many commands. So the main command, main command, if you want to experience God's love, is to love each other as I have loved you. It's not just ten commandments. What? What? This number one command: love each other. As a, so it means if we love each other, we will experience God's love. As I command you, um, love each other as I've loved you. Love each other is not a new thing. Many groups in Jesus' time also will say love each other. But Jesus qualifies it by saying love each other. How? Uh, how? Uh, as I have loved you. So Jesus' love for us becomes the template, the model of how we ought to love each other. How, how to love? Ah, you follow Jesus? Look. Okay. And greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friend. Wow, you up the game straight away. Ah. You want to love each other? Ah. Eh, willing to die? Ah. Not, oh, okay, sorry. There's a, there's a, cut. Put it there before you straight away. Ah. To lay down one's life for one's friends. And you are my friends. This is mind blowing. Jesus is telling you, you are my friends. Ah. If you do what I command. And what is the number one thing you sh we should do? Love each other. Sometimes I read command who are very legalistic, must love first or whatever. But the command, as he says many times, is to love each other. That's the number one command. It's a relational command, not some list of to-do things. Relational command. If you love each other, you'll experience my love. We will see more on this later. Many people who are not Christian are quite staggered that God would call us friends, actually. Jesus as prophet, priest and king, uh, the one we know. But Jesus as God, uh, as friend, uh, that you all have read this passage so much, not, not shocked anymore. In fact, you know, some religions will say, a year you dare to call, call God friend. Uh. I say, no, I call him, uh, he called me one. Uh, I have no right to call him friend. But he can condescend and come down and through his love and grace, die for us on the cross and call us his friend. He can, uh, I cannot. Uh. But that's what he has done. He has called us friends. He can do it. We have no right to do it. But the reality is we are now... Jesus, friends. He say one. And so it's real. It's not that we, we deserve it. It's a gift, like many gifts we have talked about today. One of the gifts from the cross. Uh, it enables Jesus to call us friends and we are friends of Christ. Now, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything that I've learned from my father, I've made known to you. It's full disclosure. Whatever God tells me, whatever truth I have, I'll let you know. I don't hide things from you. No? You did not choose me, but I chose you. Again, the point, he chose us to be friends. And appointed you so they might go and bear fruit. So friendship, many people are afraid it's very inward looking, but a true friend inspires you to bear fruit for Christ. If a friend doesn't inspire to do that, you just enjoy the friendship only, something missing. True Christian friendship always inspires me to be the best I can be for the kingdom. Otherwise, it is not Christian friendship. Because you're yeah, a Christian, just like Christian friendship is some kind of communal navel gazing. No, 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 no. Uh, Christian friendship is one that inspires me, challenges me to be the best I can be for the kingdom. So you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. And just in case you forgot, eh, and this is my command love each other. This is so critical. 
And that's why it breaks my heart. This is so missing in experience in our churches. Our churches are places, are schools to learn, uh, halfway houses to challenge people to be better, to go and do things for God. But the level of quality of agape love between us, I don't know, Le. I, I feel that we are so far from what God wants us to be. Le. Anyway, from this, I will share some thoughts. First is a definition of spiritual friendship. Two people are friends because we share something in common. You may or may not know, you may know, I come from Penang, the best state in Malaysia. No, uh, Johor is okay. La. But the thing is, that, but these Penang people, uh, these northern people, they speak northern Hokkien. Northern Hokkien. Then when it came down to Singapore and Johor, they speak southern Hokkien. They always very amused at our northern Hokkien. No? Uh, he speaks some more, so sing songs, speaks some more. He's what, like performing seal or what? Then, uh, <laughs> then, when I'm in Singapore, which I've been for many years, then I go to a food court or whatever, I'm eating, then the next table. Uh, hey, that's northern Hokkien. Eh? My heart is strangely warm. <laughs> I go over to a bunch of strangers and speak in tongues. Lucy Penang and Langsibo. Sorry, uh, subtitles. Are you from Penang? No, sorry. Of course, I get different reactions. No, what's he? Keda Elang. Okay, close enough. Close enough. Keda Penang. But these are strangers, but you feel a bond because it is something we share in common. Northern Hokkien. Just as Penang Chakwetia is the best in the world. Okay, Penang Chakwetia. I'm not, not going to discuss about that. Anyway, uh, okay. So we are friends, although we are strangers, but we are friends because we share something in common. So I go to a food court, then I go, hey, Pastor Andre, uh, so young, uh, also a good pastor, man. My heart is strange. Hey, you know Pastor Andre? Uh? I also know him. Uh. Oh, you're a man, oh, and then become friend. <laughs> because we don't know each other, but we have a common friend in that good, anointed young pastor. Yeah. So friends in Christ are people who are friends with each other because of their common friendship with Jesus and who are committed to help each other follow Christ. This is a very small, short, simple definition. So many of us here are strangers, but we already feel a bond, right? I mean, we already feel a bond. When you meet believers all over the world, you come, and somehow, although we not know each other and know each other's stories, at least not yet, but we already feel a sense of connectedness because we both know Jesus. Hey, you know Jesus? I also know Jesus, man. Wow, Savior. Yeah, man, Savior. <laughs> God. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, man, God. You know him? I also know him. Hey, come, let's go for tea, you know? <laughs> you know, so what is the basis of Christian friendship, spiritual friendship? It's our common friendship with Jesus. It's got to be, man. You look at the early, this 12 disciples, huh? you have, uh, John probably is a millennial. Peter is probably a boomer, you know? <laughs> you have people like Simon the Zealot who goes around pre-Christian, pre-Christ days, probably stabbing this, these people who collaborate with the Romans, like those tax collectors. In some dark alley, Simon the Zealot, before he knew Jesus, he meets someone like Matthew. And Matthew would be you know, collaborating, collecting taxes for the Roman Empire, and maybe their families who have been killed by zealots or whatever. And now they got to wash each other's feet. You know? So there you go. But why can they do this? Because they have a common connection with Jesus. And that's a good thing to remind us that 
spiritual friendship is not just based on race or education level or on whatever social standing you have in the world. Don't care, man. One of the reasons why many of the Roman em emperors don't want to be Christians is because you mean I become Christian there at the same level as a slave? Ah? So they don't want to be Christian. Well, they are lost. Lah. Because indeed, this is not a zero-sum game. Everyone is important. It's not that you're, everybody equal means somebody less important. That's not the way God operates. No second-class people in the kingdom of God. All are equally important. But we connect to each other because of a common connection with Jesus. So that is the definition. Spiritual friends are friends who are friends with each other because of their common friendship with Christ. But then the purpose of our friendship is to help each other follow Christ. You need help to follow Christ? I need help, man. We need help to help each other follow Christ. So that is spiritual friendship. But how is spiritual friendship expressed? The expressions of spiritual friendship. I'll share four things from this passage. Uh, number one is this sense of loyalty. This is more in John 13, the foot washing, where it starts with Jesus, love his disciples, he loved them to the end. In fact, after many difficulties have gone through in life, you kind of know who your true friends are. Some of our friends are there when things are neat, tidy, clean, or that, haha. But when your life goes apart, when my life fell apart, it's the story is there, it's all in light somewhere. Then you notice who suddenly lost your phone number. <laughs> they lost your email address. Then they are this small call, whether they fully understood or whatever, they never left you. I remember that once I was hosting a, a speaker from another country, he was in Malaysia at the time, I chanted him dinner, then I was going to give him a ride to a talk. So we were having dinner, then we finished, about to go already. We were sitting opposite, opposite each other. I remember it's an Italian restaurant, opposite each other. Then before, we, when I said, before you go, I need to tell you something. I said, sure. I sat down. I said, he's married with two, two children. He said, I've been having an adulterous relationship with one of my co-workers. I was stunned, of course, to someone I respected highly. So what, what I did was I walked to his side of the table, so we were side by side. I was opposite, opposite him now, side by side, with my arm around him and said, whatever happens, whatever happens, I will always be your friend. But you know you've got to deal with this, man. Otherwise, it's going to disrupt your relationship with God. You're going to lose your marriage. You're going to lose your ministry. This is how Jesus loved us, right? He knows. We think we are bad. Actually, we are worse. But God knows everything. And He still loves you. Loyal to you. But, but, but loyalty to him also includes nudging him in the right direction. It's not endorsing the sin. But I was deeply moved that he felt safe enough to surface this. If you have things like this, who will you talk to? Studies have shown that if Christians go through complex moral failures, the first person they'll talk to is not the pastor. Sorry, huh? Not, not even Christian friends. The first person they'll talk to is a non-Christian colleague at work because he thinks that this person won't judge him. So I'm not saying we endorse sin. Of course not. But where will be the safe places that we are allowed to be who we are, especially at our worst? Where will we go to with all this stuff? And I'm hoping if the roles will reverse, I, I could be the one that had fallen. Let's be clear here. None of us are beyond falling that he would also put his arm around me too. Lah. And I want so much the church to be like that. Why must he be non-Christian colleague? It's not that we endorse sin, but it must be a place where people can be real so we can start working with them, that we are loyal to each other at our best and at our worst. Can we be people like that? Not easy, leh. 
A year, you do something like that one. They'll never open to you again. I think we need to learn this. I'm not saying it's easy. But Christ knew and he was loyal to them. Not only that, he accepted them, number two. I mean, he knew what was in the hearts of Peter, Judas, he no one. Peter, die also, I will never leave you. Then the soldiers come, poop, chabot, no? run away. You know? What? Yeah, Jesus knows, before the cock crows tomorrow. But he still loved them, he still washed their feet. He still gave Peter a second chance after the resurrection. So he accepted them as they are. Friendship accepts people as they are. We do not want to romanticize friendship. It's a hard journey that only God can help us to do, to be frank. From far away, people all look nice. One, uh. Everybody is normal until you get to know them. So you can know them. Then you get to know them. E, you, know what the, you, let them you, you support that political party. Uh. Whatever that is, fill in the blanks, uh, whichever party. Uh, then they say, E, you know, how, how do I love this person? But that is what true love is. We must love the real person with all their strengths and weaknesses. Otherwise, it's not real, near, near real friendship. Ma. Otherwise, we end up loving uh, Fui, F-O-O-I. What is a Fui? You heard it here first. Fui is friend of our imagination. <laughs> These people have all the strengths you like and none of the things you don't like. Where could people like that one? Once you begin to walk with people, you know things you like, things you don't like. But this is the real person, eh? Just that you, Jesus said, what did Paul say? Accept one another as Christ has accepted you. So we could accept people. Yeah, I, I, I support Arsenal, okay. And you fans, okay. I support Arsenal, you love. <laughs> Liverpool fans, don't be cocky. And you still love me or not? Okay. So we love people as they are so that together we can journey to what we should be. I'm not saying we should leave them as they are, but the starting point must be reality. La. This is like that one. This fellow like that one. Should I say I like that one? Okay? It's not somebody else. It's you. La. We all got to love the real person. This spirit of accepting people where they are. So they feel safe. They can process their lives with you because they feel safe. You won't whack them. You accept them. No matter what happens, I will always be your friend. Then from that safe place, they know they're accepted even at their worst. Then we can work at life, at what we should be. So please, be clear. It's not that we should uh, endorse sin or don't choo people to grow. It's nothing like that. But the starting point, starting point is the real person. Eh? So acceptance is number two. Number three is sacrificial love. This is the Christian definition of friendship. All cultures, all religions have some definition of friendship, but the Christian definition is the cross, which we talk about today as well. The cross is not only what Jesus did for us, it becomes the model of how we treat each other. There's no love without sacrifice. There's no love without sacrifice. Now, parents will know as you care for children, husband and wife work at marriage, no sacrifice, engine cannot work. The love engine cannot work. I was thinking of a, a friend of mine who's a bank director and in PJ. My father passed away. He was in Penang. I went back to see my dad. But my friend, the bank director, the moment he heard my dad had passed away, he cancelled all appointments, first flight to Penang to be with me all those three, four days. He found himself a room in a hotel. He was with me until we buried my dad. Don't tell me bank director, very free one. Nah. That was a sacrificial decision to cancel everything to be with me. There's a choice he made. And the following year, I remember because I just came back from a church camp. 
Whether you know or don't know, church camp coming. Uh, give some heart to church camp speakers. Uh. I tell you, uh, you've got to speak three, four sessions, ministry time. <laughs> then, you know, the, 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 you know how much energy goes into the vibrating pump technique? Uh? <laughs> Trust me, very tiring. The vibrating pump. And then at meal times, you are supposed to look loving and, and although you are tired like heck, you are supposed to look pastorly and loving. And how are you? Are you okay? Inside, you going to die already. So, whoever your camp speakers next year, get, get them some, top, top, top up the honorarium another 20%. Give chan, give chan. So I came back from a church camp, I was dead tired, I wanted to sleep for three days. Uh, then my friend's mother passed away, the same guy, in Kuantan. So what do you think I did? I wanted to sleep for three days. What I did was, jump on the first plane to go to Kuantan. It's my friend's word. I know it was a traumatic loss. And it's nothing to do with keeping score. You come to my father one, I go to your mother one, we are now equal. Huh? Score settled already, huh? Uh, you come to my father, I go mother. We both had to take flights, so equal, equal. <laughs> Having friends don't kira, don't keep score one. If you have a chance to bless you, it actually gives me great joy to sacrificially bless my friend. When we are in a CG, young parents, first child, child won't stop crying at four in the morning, panic callers. What do you do? Hey, uncle need to sleep late. But we jump the car, go to our friends, try to encourage them. Bernice especially is very good in this. And we help them to, to, to minister. So that is uh, that's what love means. La. It means caring for people. And it means sacrifice. The heart of sin, I think, is selfishness. You want to live like Christ, then la de la. If you want to follow Christ. La. Since this city is where we are shaped to be like Christ. Okay? Then full disclosure. Whatever the Father has told me, I have told you. And uh, I think we don't do this, speak the truth in love very well. Lah. Either we don't speak the truth because we're scared of hurting people, or we speak the truth to tear people down. But to speak the truth to build people up, uh, that one, we don't do it very well. I remember there was once I was uh, deciding between two ministry positions. One was uh, a pastoral position, one was a teaching position. Discerning what God you want me to do. Then one of my friends came and said, We've been praying for you, and soon we need to tell you as a pastor, you're only so so only. <laughs> I think you should take that teaching position. So my first reaction, what do you mean so so only? <laughs> Last year's response, 60% say I'm okay with no sorry, anyway. Uh, so, okay, that means not good. <laughs> so that kind of jarred my ego a bit. But then I pray, pray, pray. Okay, like he's right. Like, what the heck? So, I took the teaching, so I took the teaching position. Don't you need friends in your life like that who love you enough to tell you the truth? Lovingly. And he can tell me the truth because we walked together to thick and thin for a long time. Strangers come and I want to speak into my life. But this guy, okay, like prophets. But the thing is... 
prophets are those who have never talked to you before and then have a word, you know. That also you still have to discern. But close friends have gone through thick and thin. They want to speak into your life. It's easier to take because you know he, he loves you. He's not saying this to, to insult you or whatever. So full disclosure. So four elements of the practice of spiritual friendship. Loyalty, we walk together through thick and thin, not just through easy times. Accepting, we love people as they are, not people that you want, want them to be, so that together we can be what we should be. Thirdly, the heart of Christian friendship is sacrifice. And for us in town, maybe it's time, really. Money may be easier to give, time very hard to give. But you still have your fr- the true test of sacrificial friendship where they appear in your planner, man. The bandwidth, uh, they appear or not. And finally, in communicating, speaking the truth and love. Let me talk about uh, four fruits, of, uh, three fruits of friendship. There are serious consequences whether you do spiritual friendship well. Number one is remaining in Christ. So the start of John 15 is abide in me, remain in me. So I often wondered how to do that. Nah. The plan, the tweak connected to the plan. What does that, does that mean? Do I have to go and the whole Andre, the whole... What, what does connecting to the plan really mean? Some mystical experience. What the, then I realized that the rest of John 15 is abide in the word, obey my commands, and abide in each other. I said, duh, okay, to actually to remain in Christ, I have to be remain in relationship with Christ's people. It's a key way that I remain in Christ. Of course, the word, the spirit, very important. But the key way that I remain in Christ is to remain in connection with people. No? So, Open my eyes, Lord. I want to see Jesus. And Jesus said, hey, look around, lah. look around, look around. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we see Jesus in each other. What did Jesus said to Philip, those who have you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So we are the only ones made in the image of God. Huh? So I want to have some rough idea what Jesus looks like. And if we know we don't do this perfectly, that we look at each other. Leh. So when my friend hugs me, I, I remember Jesus hug, hugs me. When my friend speaks the truth to me, I remember Jesus speaks the truth to me. So how critical it is for spiritual friendship is a key way we remain in Christ. It's not just doing quiet time or that, getting slain once in a while. But... What is, is cool, cool, but it's, it's the relationship we have with each other. We almost channel Christ to each other. I mean, so that's so critical. And farewell discourse, huh? farewell discourse. Remember. Huh? Secondly, it's bearing fruit that lasts. I think the best ministry flows out of community. Not heroic individuals. Not talk about, oh, this is super anointed individuals. <laughs> it's super anointed communities. It's God's plan, ma. First Corinthians 12, different people, different gift. But still in our culture, still got this superstar culture in the Christian circles sometimes. Well, certain people face always appear here and there. You know? And even by implication, there are people more important, more anointed. You get the impression that you know, ministry is done through super anointed heroes. You know? Even Avengers also need each other. Different people. So you, 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 we need different people. The best ministry flows out of community. You want to change the world for Christ, which is correct, but what is your vision? Is it heroic individuals? Oh man, we need each other, man. I've got different gifts, different gift, different vision. We, we, we together have a bigger vision of God with different spiritual gifts. And thirdly, is withstanding spiritual attack. The last part of John 15 is about the coming of persecution. And we don't want to overemphasize Satan and his work. Some people see Satan everywhere. The, you know, you want to lose weight, I cast out the spirit of fattiness or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> hey, just go and do some jogging like this. 
so I think sometimes you give enemy too much face. But the other extreme is that we don't take the enemy seriously. And you want to withstand the attack of the enemy, whether it's persecution, which thank God in Singapore, not bad, not there, not here or not here yet. But temptation, confusion, enemy attacking all the time. We, we, enemies, the warfare is going all the time. And how do we withstand this warfare together? So it's like you climb up the mountain, you know, everybody is roped to each other, you know, in case somebody falls, you know, so when we are relationally tethered to each other, then we are able to withstand the enemy's attack, whatever form it may take. So you want to withstand enemy attack or not? You want to abide in Christ or not? You want to do ministry that is fruit that lasts or not? Spiritual friendship. Walking together. So let me close now. Let's have introduced the books. Let me close now with how do we do spiritual friendship? What are the platforms? Is it to, no, no I preach this sermon, auto call, <laughs> yes, I want to do spiritual friendship. But then how to do it? Hey, hello, what? So I think there are three platforms. One is I call the social gathering. It's like meeting for makan. And I realized that for some, this is the only level they get comfortable with right now. <clears throat> some people cannot take two chimes straight away, they, but they can makan. <clears throat> so you see Jesus makaning all the time, man. You follow a savior, they call glutton. You know that, not? I should buy a t-shirt. No, I follow a savior called glutton, so what? No, yeah. So, <clears throat> that, that, that joke was eating all the time. No? Eating, eating. Because Jesus knows that food is the main way in which we begin to build a relationship. No, I, total stranger, huh? we eat together. Hey, you like chicken? I am chicken. Oh, chicken expensive now, sorry. Uh, yeah. You like duck, huh? So, uh, so uh, yeah, so... Jesus reached out in friendship through food. Food is the most universal experience, eating. You PhD, no D, what you need to eat, man. <laughs> so people relax over a meal, begin to open up. So let me have platforms where we can just sit down and have a meal together. Your, your, your lunch thing coming up back again. Must pay money. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. The, the lunch thing. Where over a meal, people slow down. They, begin to, they can't chow because they've got to finish the chicken, um, the duck first. So. There's time together with people. How are you? So that's one. The second level is what I call the small group. The small group is like our cell group or whatever. And cell groups have the best promise. A certain group meeting together for a long period of time holds the best promise to build more in-depth relationships. Holds the promise. Lah. You can throw 15 people in a room, don't mean they connect. Lah. So normally when Bernice and I lead small groups, we often divide them into boys and girls especially the sharing and prayer time. Some things that the guys would die before they admit before their wives. And I presume something the wives also may die before their husband. I don't know what about that. So when we divide into different rooms, boys and girls, then that is a higher degree of openness. And when you boys and girls, you also don't talk about who is married, who is single. I'm a guy, married or single. I'm a woman, married or not. So that's a more uh, better context to share about the struggles, the joys, the pains, the failures, the sin, the temptation. So we... We can try to increase, increase, I have a book on that, to increase the, sh the, 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 the sharing quotient of uh, our small groups. And this last group is called the micro group. Uh, two or three friends, uh, three friends who meet regularly, the covenant to meet, to share life. And so it's a very, it's more intentional group so you can be much more open to each other because you actually have covenanted to work together. You promise confidentiality. You're going to accept one another. You're going to do the four things of friendship. That's the micro group. And really, all these things are not clever one. All Jesus do one. Jesus had the makan thing. He had the 12. 
and he had Peter, James, and John. That reminds me, there's a small break for advertisement. If you want to know how to do the small group, uh, three to one. Uh, it's three friends meeting two hours once a month. People always ask me, wow, oh, friendship is a good thing, uh, but no time lay. So you got to eat, right? How about three friends meeting two hours once a month? So little groups of three or four, you can do that. In fact, COVID forces us to do that when we couldn't have the big meeting. So let's not lose that. Uh, this is doable. But uh, just in case we need friends in a broken world. Uh, last time I came here, I talked about calling, in case you missed that. It's all here. And uh, we have a, a series called Good News for Bruce Reeds. It's been friends with people with different struggles. We talk about A, people with mental illness, and Pastor Andre actually has a very good chapter there. Uh, there's one on racism, which to me is one of the major challenges of today. And this one is on same-sex attracted friends. And our basic philosophy is to lead with your ears, to listen to their stories first, before you tell them what they should be, what they should do, you're right, you're wrong. Listen first. Lah. So this leading with your ears. So this, my beautiful wife, is at the book table outside. This and other good quality <coughs> books will be available. Okay. Advertisement over. Ching. Okay, okay, back. Uh, I think God has been speaking to you all about spiritual friendship long before today. Lah. But today I just want to encourage you that this is the right direction. And in fact, it's a crucial direction if you hear what I say. Once in a while I get to speak at Pentecostal churches. Once in a while only, because I think I'm not anointed enough. But I get to speak at Methodist churches, Bible Presbyterian, but AOG, Pentecostal, you know, not that many. Yeah. But whenever I do have a chance to speak to my Pentecostal friends, okay, you're Pentecostal, huh? charismatic. Okay, have your charismatic friends, <coughs> always tell them, huh? You're also concerned for God's fire to come down on you, right? Lord, bring down the fire. <laughs> now, God, now, now. So, <clears throat> then I said, but is the fireplace ready or not? <laughs> I think maybe God is holding back until our relational fireplaces are healthy first. I can tell you throughout church history, when the fire came and there was no close community disaster, when it's just... Anointed individuals, competition, who is more anointed, you know, who got better track record. Blah, blah, blah. But when there's close, humble, relating, then it's a safe place for the fire to come. So when I speak to my charismatic friends, and I said, yes, I pray with you that we need in this dark age that we live in. Every day I see computer, I get more depressed. Huh? More and then, now God wants his people to rise up to be salt and light, even more than ever. And we need that fire to come. But before the fire can come, Let's have healthy fireplaces, which to me means healthy relationships. So can keep the fire healthily. That it brings life and hope rather than destruction. So please, friends, hear the heart of God. I'm wanting to give you all the fire, but get your act together where the relational life of the church is concerned. Whether it's uh, social groups or small groups or intimate groups or whatever it is. But I mean, this is what God is saying. Like, whether we want to do or not, God cannot force us. Like. But this is the word. Lah. And I think, like I said, I can, I dare to say this with such conviction because I know God has been telling you this before I came. Lah. This is not new. Lah. But maybe, may I just be another voice. Lah. Let's pray. Jesus. Father, this is such a special community. A living experiment of what church should be. 
in the day that is so consumed with mega churches and slick programs and all that. This is a church that hungers to draw near to you, to each other, and to a broken world. And Lord, may you protect this initiative, protect it from the evil one. I pray that, Lord, you would give wisdom to the leaders and the members and clarity of where the, the fire and cloud is moving next and to go only to follow the fire and cloud. That, Lord, that your spirit will pour out even more. But God, may you also empower them to really love each other really love each other so that there'll be a safe place for the spirit to manifest. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.